This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Here's what's coming up on African News Tonight. We have received uh, their petition that they have sent to the United Nations and to many, many other observers, the EU, like the ECOWAS, the African Union. That's my colleague Medina Dauda in Abuja, Nigeria, speaking about opposition party complaints about the announcement of Ahmed Bola Tinubu winning Saturday's election. Details coming up. Also, Tunisians speak out in support of migrants in their country. And Uganda and South Africa seek to bolster business ties. These stories and more on African News tonight. We start with our top story. Nigerian ruling All Progressive Congress APC candidate Bola Tinubu has been declared the winner of the presidential election, triggering mixed reactions across the West African country. The opposition is saying the electronic voting system's failures to upload tallies allowed for ballot manipulation and disparities in the results from the manual counts at polling stations. Our Abuja Bureau coordinator, Medina Dauda, says the opposition is set on mounting a spirited legal challenge to the results. What we are seeing is a different kind of reaction, actually, from both sides. There are protests going on, pockets of protests going on, most especially in the federal capital, Abuja. In other places, we find women protesting. That is where the Labour Party has majority of votes. Women and youth are protesting on behalf of the Labour Party. In other places, you find men, elderly people, and young ones also protesting on behalf of the other opposition party, which is the PDP. But the protest is not an overall thing, as we're talking with you. Uh, you just find pockets of them happening everywhere. And then you never can rule out, you know, the social media where there is so much write-up about this election. Half are praising it, half are supporting what the Independent National Electoral Commission did, the machine that is going to be used to transmit this election result from the polling unit to the INEX server. But as it is now, the stories we're getting are that the beavers are not used in transmitting results from the polling unit to the INEX server. So that is what is making people agitated. Everybody is questioning why would this beaver's machine that was proclaimed to be the best before the elections suddenly collapse during the elections and cannot transmit the election results from polling units to the INEX server. That is actually what is making people question the credibility of these elections. It's so ironic uh, that Nigerian Electoral Commission introduced this, uh, what uh, you're talking about now, the biometric voter identification technology for the first time yeah. at the national level and a portal for uploading election results to improve transparency, but it seems to have backfired. And I guess that's why the opposition and its supporters uh, are saying the system's failures to upload the tallies allowed for ballot manipulation and disparities in the results for the manual counts at polling stations. Very, very ironic, because right from the beginning, this issue of transmitting election results technologically 
or through the beavers machine brought a lot of problems at the National Assembly, like when the uh, Electoral Act 2022 was going to be passed. Half of the National Assembly for the House of Reps and the Senate were always rowdy about the mode of transmitting electoral results. Until the Electoral Act was approved, there were still questions as to if Nigeria is technologically advanced enough to be able to transmit electoral results through the, the internet. Now, because of that, Medina, the opposition is set to mount a spirited legal challenge. Can you talk a little about uh, the impending challenge? The two main opposition parties, that is the People's Democratic Party, where the former vice president contested, Tiko Abubakar, is challenging the outcome of this election in court. So also, the Labour Party, where the former Anambra State Governor, Dr. Peter Obi, contested, is also challenging the validity of these results in court. So we are waiting for them to file their cases. But so far, we have received uh, their petitions that they have sent to the United Nations and to many, many other observers, the EU, like the ECOWAS, the Africa Union, they have sent petitions to all of these observer groups asking that, asking their support that they want to challenge the validity of this election in court. And they would want the support of all of these organizations that have come personally to observe the elections. That was Medina Dauda with VOA's House of Service. She spoke with me a short time ago from our office in Abuja. Remember, you can find the latest in Nigeria's elections at voaafrica.com along with all your favorite VOA programs. Nigerians are starting to move from Saturday's election, but as VOA's Peter Cloty found, many voters say they are disappointed by the announcement that Ahmed Bola Tinubu won the presidential election. Many are frustrated with the slow pace of the vote counting and the problems with the electronic voting system. Here are the thoughts of two people Peter spoke with yesterday in Abuja. My name is Ken Amanze. What is your reaction following the official declaration of Asiwaju Bola Ahmed Tinubu as president-elect of the Federal Republic of Nigeria? Uh, personally, I feel uh, disappointed as a Nigerian. Why? Um, because, I mean, the whole world saw the elections. Um, observers were around. Um, the people came out in mass hoping that their votes would count. And at the end of the day, it turned out to be what I'll call a sham. Why? Uh, I mean, just imagine you putting uh, hot water to make tea and then you're getting fruit juice. How would you feel? So you think the election is just a fruit juice? Well, I think it's just a sham. It's, I mean, it was a scam. I mean, this, this just represent the, what Nigerians expected at the end. And you can see it from almost every Nigerian you come across. There's this, you know, down spirit. You know, our spirit has been damped, you know. And um, it just tells you what we all feel, how we all feel. But the electoral law has provisions to address issues of that. The INEC chairman, Professor Mabud Yakubu, asked these aggrieved parties to present evidence to him in order to consider some of their issues. The electoral law also provides that you go to court to seek legal redress if you are aggrieved. What do you, why do you think these politicians are, are not doing so? In the first instance, the, for the INEC chairman or the INEC to make such statements as going to court and all of this, it shouldn't be, uh, be to be said in the first in- instance. For example, um, if 
electoral process worked effectively. He will mention that. If the votes were counted appropriately, he will mention that. If they were uploaded on time, as promised, I mean, he had four years. He had over 300 billion to, to make this election work. Naira. In Naira, and he still failed. So, in essence, what are you talking about? So, this statement he's making is, is like putting salt on, on injury. So, he, I mean, he shouldn't get to that point. He should get to the point where he says, these are the actual results, these are the winners, and this is your president-elect. I'm Gloria by name. Your and last name? Akbana Gloria. All right, so, Gloria, a, a winner has been declared by INEC. Asiwa Jubola Ahmed Tinubu is now officially president-elect. Your reaction to the election results and the declaration of the winner? It's, it's like the reaction is, I can't even express myself because it's too much. How would they declare um, Bola Tinubu as the winner of which me, myself, I did not even vote him. The whole Nigeria, everybody, we are angry. We woke up this morning to discover that the Nigeria was sorry about that declare um, Bola Tinubu as, as the winner of a presidential election. How, how come? Why all the voting everywhere that we check around, especially in my own unit, no any place that Bola Tinubu won the election. But fortunately, coming this morning, check this morning, everything comes to her. Like but, but, but there are a lot of other states that voted for him. Apart from other states, yes, there are a lot of other states that voted for him, but he did not come forth. He did not come as the first position, there, neither second. He's even the first position coming. So why will you come and say, okay, now you are the first person to go? It's, it's not, it don't work that way. So for we are angry. So for the youth who are angry, what message will you send to them? They, they should let the justice be made. Let it be made, no matter how it is. Let justice work. What does that mean? Explain to us. We want, we want our vote to count. Our vote is not counting. It's not, what we vote is different in Italy. We want our vote to count. Those were voters in Abuja talking with VOA's Peter Cloti about the country's presidential election. Tunisian tennis star Onas Jabour is speaking out against discrimination a week after President Kais Saeed ordered urgent measures against sub-Saharan migrants, including mass evictions. Last week, he said they are bringing violence and crime to the country and are part of a criminal plot to change Tunisia's demographic makeup. According to the French news agency AFP, yesterday Jabour tweeted, Today is hashtag zero discrimination day. She said, quote, As a proud Tunisian, Arab and African woman, I celebrate the right of everyone to live with dignity. Another Tunisian sports figure, football star, Radi Jaidi, has voiced solidarity with the migrants, posting, I am African, not just because I was born in Africa, but because Africa was born in me. Jaidi comes from the black community, which makes up a tenth of Tunisia's 12 million people. AFP says hundreds of West Africans have been evicted in recent days by landlords fearing heavy fines for hosting undocumented migrants. Many of those evicted have flocked to their embassies for repatriation. Ivory Coast and Guinea have began evacuating their citizens. Tunisian President Kais Saeed's comments about migrants from sub-Saharan Africa led hundreds of protesters to take to the streets of the capital recently. Ahmed Gulal is the former Tunisian Minister of Youth and Sports. He spoke with VOA senior analyst Mohamed El Shanawi about why he thinks Saeed has spoken against migrants. Actually, this is a dramatic event which, which is happening in Tunisia. 
this has never happened during the modern history of Tunisia, such an event, such a blunt racist declaration from a head of state. We do have black Tunisian citizens in Tunisia, and actually the number of African who are in Tunisia, it doesn't go beyond 22,000. So for a president of a country to get on a national TV and to say that there is a plot to change the demographic map of the country, it is something quite radical. It is worth noting that such a declaration came after a wave of propaganda on social media trying to create a scapegoat and this type of fear that there is a danger coming from the sub-Saharan region. And those Africans who are with us are trying to change the religion of the country and they represent a danger. So in my view, what is happening is just a propaganda campaign and creation of a scapegoat in a time of crisis. And this crisis is actually the failure of Qais Sayed, the failure of his roadmap, his failure in convincing the Tunisian population about his program. If you are aware, during the last elections, less than 10% of the Tunisian population have participated in Qais Sayed's election. So that is why he needs to create a scapegoat. While the protesters shouted no to racism, solidarity with migrants, and no to police crackdown, President Qais Saeed said earlier this week that urgent measures were needed to address the entry of irregular immigrants from sub-Saharan countries with their lot of violence, crimes, and unacceptable practices. Are the Tunisian people concerned about illegal immigrants and approve a crackdown against them? I don't think that there is an issue of illegal immigrants in Tunisia. Actually, those black Africans, because we Tunisians, we are Africans, actually our name is Afriqiya. So the name of the continent is, we take our name from the continent. So we are Africans and we are white and brown and black Africans. We live together. And those immigrants who are coming in Tunisia, they are helping a lot of business in Tunisia because many of them are hard workers and they are not many. And just 20,000, how could 20,000 person individual represent a danger for the country. So no, the Tunisian people are not worried about this. Most of them, and I, and I do know that during the last few years, they consider a solution for many businesses because they are hard workers, they work and they help, and there is no issue about illegal immigrants in the country. And why should they still be illegal immigrants? They should, we should facilitate their stay in the country. Why should we put them as a, as a problem while they are part of the solution of the country? That was Ahmed Galul, the former Tunisian Minister of Youth and Sports. He was speaking with my colleague, Mohamed El-Shenawi. You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. South Africa has been hosting officials from Uganda, including President Yaware Museveni. His state visit aims to strengthen trade ties between Africa's second largest economy and one of East Africa's most powerful nations. But it comes at a time when some South African companies have been leaving Uganda. Darren Taylor reports. Pretoria's Department of Trade and Industry says total trade between Uganda and South Africa was more than $160 million between 2017 and 2021. 
South Africa's Minister of International Relations, Naledi Pandor, says that's not enough. One of the things I hope we will address is improved uh, business and trade relations. So I'm very happy that we've had a two-day business forum because there are many issues to iron out. South African businesses have raised a number of concerns with my department and the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition. And I have uh, shared these uh, matters with my colleague, Minister Odongo, and I'm hopeful that working together as the Ministries of Foreign Affairs, we will try to resolve these matters. Pandor spoke Wednesday night at a business forum held outside Johannesburg during Ugandan President Yoweri Museveni's visit. South African enterprises say it's difficult to make money in Uganda. Their challenges include high interest rates and energy prices, bad roads that drive transport costs up, and frequent electricity and water breakdowns. Pandor said she wants to work to change that. It's worrying that just over two years ago, we had 70 South African companies trading and doing business in Uganda. That number has now gone down to 36. So 34 have exited for a range of reasons. We would like to work with Uganda to create a basis for more South African businesses to invest in that country. Pandor told reporters she and Ugandan officials had also spoken about the possibility of a Chinese-led peace process to end the war in Ukraine. We emphasized again the importance of diplomacy and the need for us to really work closely, both with Russia and with Ukraine, where the chair of uh, the African Union has already been, and other uh, African heads of state. So we did discuss what they have learned and how we may draw all of this together and work in concert as African leaders to try and help seek a settlement in Eastern Europe. Museveni's visit also happened as his government is being criticized for not renewing an agreement to host an office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights. Activists and opposition politicians say the Ugandan government commits widespread human rights abuses, including harassing and jailing critics. Museveni denies such allegations and said the UN agency no longer was needed. This is because we have a Ugandan Human Rights Commission, which is mandated by the Constitution. So having others is first of all unnecessary, but also diversionary. Because some of the people may not know the difference. Instead of going to report to where action can be taken, they go to the UN. What can the UN do in Uganda? They don't have the powers of, of enforcement. South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa expressed confidence that trade with Uganda would more than double within the next five years. One focus, he said, would be on building relationships between South African food producers and Ugandan suppliers of ingredients such as vanilla, coffee and cocoa. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. 6 French and Ugandan environmental and human rights groups have lost a case in which they were seeking to halt construction of the 1443 kilometer East African crude oil pipeline known as ECOP 
from Uganda to Tanzania. A court in Paris on Tuesday dismissed the case where the activists had accused French oil major Total Energies, the lead investor in the $5 billion pipeline, of doing little to protect the environment and people. One of the plaintiffs is Uganda-based African Institute for Energy Governance. Douglas Mpuga reached Dickens Kamugishi, the chief executive officer of the organization. Uh, of course, it is a very big disappointment because, uh, you know, for the last three years when we've been before the court, we had hoped that the, the court would not look at the technicalities, would look at the merits of the case and be able to make a decision. But unfortunately, that was, has not happened, and the communities who hope to get justice continue to suffer and are told suffering. Now that uh, your lawsuit has not succeeded against Total Energies, what's your next step? Of course, the, the court itself observed that you know, they didn't look at the merits of the case. They said the evidence that we filed after the notes to the company had not been communicated to the Total, they said that uh, considering the complex of the case, it is necessary to go for a full trial, not a summary proceeding. And internally here as organizations that had filed the case, we are discussing. We hope that next week we will consult the communities that we are representing. And based on the consultations, we hope that we are going to appeal the ruling and hope that we are going to continue struggling to ensure that we get justice. Because what is a fact is that communities are suffering, their rights are being violated by the company. And that is the question that was not determined because of the technicalities. We are going to appeal, but of course, meanwhile, there are a number of things that we've been doing even when while we are in court to empower communities to stand up against injustices by the companies. And that one we are not going to stop. Of course, you have a situation here in Uganda in the process of us as civil society empowering people. The government is working with the companies. They have continued to harass, intimidate, arrest, imprison, illegal imprisonment of us as civil society. But we have to continue working amidst all those challenges. Meanwhile, as you continue, the East African crude oil pipeline is about to set off. And maybe you are, are you running against time? I tell you, when you are fighting against injustice, sometimes you, you cannot dictate about time. And we believe that you know, there, is, there is no way injustice can prevail. We know for sure, even the, the East African Pipeline, they haven't gotten the land. They haven't gotten the money to, to build the infrastructure. But they are trying to create an impression that you know everything has already gone ahead and we cannot stop any, all those things. But we know if there is injustice and people stand up and say we cannot allow this injustice to continue, things can still stop. We cannot give up because giving up meaning that, you know, we allow our people to continue suffering forever. So we are, we are still ready and we are going to fight until the end. Is there a remedy you can seek from elsewhere apart from France where Total Energy is based? We already have around other six cases. In the, we have four cases in the High Court of Uganda, one case in the Court of Appeal of Uganda, another case at the Statistical Court of Justice. And all of them are intended to stop injustice, stop the illegalities, stop the dangers to the communities, stop environmental da- damages, all of them. But you know the reason why I had gone to France 
was that these most of these cases were filed in 2014-2018 and they have been in court. The political influence here cannot allow these cases to proceed. But as I said, it is up to us to continue building necessary pressure, continue building the capacity of communities to stand up, continue mobilizing massive pressure. And we are hopeful that, you know, once we mobilize communities and the communities appreciate that they have the power, they have the capacity to stand up against injustice, they can actually ensure that things happen. So we are still hoping that all these cases that are in court, maybe the, the public pressure will also prevail and they get determined and maybe they get determined based on the merits, the evidence that we have fired. That's Dickens Kamagushi. He was speaking with Douglas Mpuga from Kampala. And with that, we wrap up this edition of African News Tonight. On behalf of our producer, Mokbila Baro, and our engineer, Adrias Rigas, 